0: Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. This is a special week for all of us. Uh, Typically, Uh, During this period of time, last Sunday would have been Palm Sunday. And uh, then through this week, this is the week that we celebrate, look back to the events surrounding Calvary, and then ultimately on Sunday culminating with the resurrection of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, today I really felt it on my heart to talk to you about the events of Calvary and the importance of it. And uh, as I begin to study and look into the word of the Lord, the Lord drops something into my heart. So I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. And verse 17 is where I'll begin reading. give you an opportunity to find that. Thank you once again for connecting with us. We appreciate so much each one of you, and we're praying for you during this time. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. I want to read verse 18 again. For the preaching of the cross is to them which are that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. And I simply want to use that first phrase there or use words from that first phrase to entitle my message here tonight. I want to talk about the preaching, the preaching of the cross, the preaching of the cross. very important thing, a very important subject, central to us as believers. I think I can state unequivocally here tonight that we live in an age where the church, Or many Christian churches have changed their focus, have changed their mission, and even their message as it concerns the cross. Churches and even whole denominations have moved from the old message, the old story of salvation through the blood of Jesus, and they've moved to a message of salvation through social activism. And the old bloody message of the cross has quickly been replaced by the bloodless preaching that lacks power and lacks hope. Really what they've tried to do is kind, to, kind of repackage the idea of Calvary and make it more presentable. They've tried to take the blood and the gore and the horrific events that surrounded Calvary. They've tried to Take the spotlight off of that and clean it up and make it more presentable and appealing. Basically, it is a message of Jesus on your terms. But preaching, the preaching of the cross is about dealing with sin. And the only way that it can be dealt with is through the supreme sacrifice that Jesus Christ offered on the cross. We find in Hebrews chapter number 9, Hebrews chapter number 9, in verse 19, some very interesting things that the Bible has to say about the cross and about the blood and the importance of the blood of Jesus. Starting there with verse 19, in Hebrews chapter 9, it says, For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, now what we're referring to here is the Old Testament times. He took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. Now, this, of course, is speaking of the blood of bulls and goats and sacrificial lambs and turtle doves. And then in verse 22 it says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. Now I want you to notice the transition that takes place there in verse Twenty-two Between those first uh, words and the second part of this particular verse, it says, first of all, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and then it makes this emphatic statement, and without shedding of blood is no remission, and I want you to notice the word is there in other words it's not just talking about under the law it's not just talking about the old testament the old covenant but it's referring to everything in the old testament which up until this point in this passage it's talking about talking about events that happened under the law of Moses and then it gets to this point and it says but it still takes it still takes the blood to bring remission of sin and so It was therefore necessary, he goes on to say, that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Now I realize that there is a lot to unpack in that passage of scripture and there's a lot of depth when you talk about that particular passage there's a lot theologically to understand there but suffice it to say that Christ was that one sacrifice that was given that one and all as the scripture says that no longer would they have to bring a lamb or a bullock or some substitute to be sacrificed and To only roll sins ahead for another year. But he would be the sacrifice of all sacrifices. And no more would there remain a need for anyone to offer a sacrifice. But that his blood would not only cover. And I want to reiterate this later on. It would not only cover but it would cleanse men and women of sin. So sin can only be resolved by blood, as it says there in verse 22. Without shedding of blood is no remission. The sin issue is not taken care of without the blood. So the preaching of the cross, we understand, is important because wherever sin is committed, blood must be shed. There must be blood to take care of the sin issue. The preaching of the cross to some is a very strange message. The scripture says, The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. That word foolishness in the Greek comes from the same word that we derive in the English, our word moron. So, in other words, the world thinks we are morons for believing the message of the cross. And note what it says here. It says to them that perish foolishness. However, a true saint of God doesn't concern themselves too much with the opinions of the perishing. And never has. Never has the church concerned itself too much with the opinions of the world. For example, it's like standing safely on the bank and you your in the currents, in the torrent of flooding waters and perishing and you telling me or giving me advice about what I need to do. That would seem foolish for me to listen to you if you're in the water and I'm safely on the bank. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of of God, the scripture says, to us that have experienced the blood of Jesus Christ. And somebody says, well, exactly, tell me, preacher, when is the blood applied? Well, in the Old Testament tabernacle, which we know, and also the temple, the Old Testament temple, which is a type and shadow of what is to come in our relationship with God, it is really just a pattern of things that are to come, we understand that there are three things that we need to pay attention to there particularly. First of all, the most prominent piece of furniture in the Old Testament tabernacle and again in the temple was the altar. And there has to be a place of dying out to sin. That altar was where the sacrifice was made. And this was where that animal was laid upon that altar and its life was taken and its blood was then used to cover sin. Well, there has to be in type for you and I a place where we come to an altar. And I know an altar is not necessarily just a physical location, but it is the condition of a person's heart where they repent. It can be in a living room. It can be uh, sitting in your automobile right now. It can be in a church house, and wherever you are, when you repent of your sin, and that means turning away from sin, and ask God to forgive you, the Bible tells us in turn that He is faithful and just when we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. And then, beyond that altar, of course, there was the laver where that priest would be clean. And cleansed. Uh, And it's so important that we realize that this is a type of water baptism in Jesus' name. That we are baptized with Him. In Jesus' name we take on that name in baptism. And by taking on that name in baptism we become just like as you would if you are a part of a family. You take on a name. You take on the name of the family of God, which is Jesus Christ. You become partakers in that covenant. And then we go, and the blood you will find throughout this entire process is still with that priest being transported into that ultimate place, which was the holies of holies, which is typical of the Holy Ghost. So somebody says, where is the blood applied? Well, we see blood in all stages of the Old Testament tabernacle and the temple. So it's important that you realize that it's emphatically taught in the Word of God that we have the blood applied when we've been obedient to the full gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the death, burial, and resurrection, repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I know a lot of people have said that the Holy Ghost and today's times is not necessary it's only an added blessing it's only something that if you desire it you can have but it's not essential to your salvation it was really just a sign for the starting of the church in the book of acts chapter number two but we find that throughout the book of acts it was poured out and plus the apostles said it's as to as many as the lord our god shall call so the Lord is still filling people with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He's still calling people, and it's still important to our salvation because the Scripture tells me that without the Spirit of Christ, which we know as the Holy Ghost, without the Spirit of Christ, we are none of His. It also tells us that in the rapture of the church, or the great catching away, as we term it in the Scripture, we understand that it takes that spirit on the inside of us. And he quickens this mortal body. And it takes on immortality. And we're caught up to meet him in the air. Amen. And so shall we ever, the scripture says, be with the Lord. So we understand these things. That it takes it takes the entirety of being obedient to the gospel in order for us. To have the blood applied to our life. And so a lot of people misunderstand that. They mischaracterize that. But we know that the cross is where it starts. And where it begins. And the power of God that comes through being delivered from sin. And sin's hold upon our lives. Every person that has experienced the cross knows about the power of the cross. And if it wasn't for the cross, and if it wasn't for the blood, and the sacrifice, and that spotless lamb that purchased our salvation, I'd still be lost. You would still be lost. Still be addicted. Still be struggling with the sin issue. How many people in our world try in their own efforts to settle issues in their life that are rooted in sin, they try through self-help they try through other means of uh, of using other programs which we're all thankful for but without the blood of Jesus without the power of cross of the cross being implemented in our lives there is nothing to break the chains of sin there's nothing there's nothing to overcome the power of sin in one's life it is our hope it's the hope for the hurting It's the hope for that person that is bound, that person that is addicted, that person that feels condemned. Paul said, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. Notice the differentiation here. He says unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. Why was it a stumbling block to the Jews? After all, these were Jesus' own people. These were the ones that he had came to help and deliver and set free that he had a long love affair with. This is why God manifested himself in the flesh and came in the form of a man, was to reconcile these people back unto himself. Why was it that it was a stumbling block to them? Why did they look at Jesus Christ and the cross and struggle with it? Why was it a stumbling block in their path? Well, there's one word that describes the reason for them stumbling over the cross of Jesus Christ. And that one word is pride. These people had hoped that a king would come and overthrow their oppression. These people expected pride the royal and regal redemption of a king to come and overthrow the Roman Empire and set them free and take power and charge. And their, their pride that had been wounded because of them being in a bondage of sorts and being ruled by a government that was not theirs could be restored. And they could once again walk down the street in their arrogance and their pride and say, we're back in control again. They were not expecting a manger. They were not expecting a carpenter's shop. Uh, It was not a part of their expectations, a rugged cross or a borrowed tomb. They wanted this to continue to be an exclusive thing that only included them. They wanted it to be a Hebrew only, if I could say it that way, religion and salvation Not open to the Greek or the Gentile or barbarians as they would call them. When Jesus kicked the religious door down and said things like, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. This this totally upset their apple cart. When Jesus said things like whosoever will, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. They said, wait, wait, wait just a minute. This is only for our exclusive group. This is not for everybody. When you say whosoever will, surely you're not not saying that the Greek, you're not saying that other Gentiles could partake of this, are you? This kind of messed up their religious playhouse of sorts. Why was the preaching of the cross then? Why was it foolishness if it was a stumbling block to the Jews? Why was it foolishness to the Greeks? The same word could be used to answer this. Pride. It was pride. They both suffered one from religious pride and the other from the pride of being intellectual and thinking that they were superior because of their education. These were learned people. The Greeks were known for being uh, people that were educated by the best. This is where the greatest philosophers came from. However, their pride was not rooted in religion like the Jews, but it was in humanism. They thought that all problems could be solved through intellectualism, through education, through an empirical understanding of things. To them, the world didn't need more of Jesus, but the world needed more education. It needed more understanding. It needed more scientific, empirical evidence to be presented. Does that sound familiar to you today? Obviously, much like the world that we're dealing with today. Yet, recent experience tells us that philosophies of life do not really hold water intellectualism finds its end education though it serves a purpose it has its limitations because uh, just as we're seeing uh, the CDC in the World Health Organization and the president and all of the team that works with him those that are the head of uh, infectious disease uh, centers and institutions, they're not able to find the answers to resolve this crisis. And still it's being underscored once again with all of their learning, never able to come to the knowledge of truth and realize that it's only Jesus Christ that can resolve this issue. It's only Jesus Christ that has a solution to this crisis that we're in. It's Jesus Christ that still has the power to heal. It's Jesus Christ that has the ability to abate a plague or a pestilence that would come upon the land. The preaching of the cross cannot be reduced to mere philosophy. The preaching of the cross cannot be viewed as some kind of mythological Narrative that gives the feeble minded something to pin their hopes to. But the preaching of the cross is more than that. The preaching of the cross offers hope. The preaching of the cross is powerful. Why? Because of who died upon the cross. You understand that crucifixion was a normal way of penalizing and punishing criminals in that day, it was not uncommon. Many had died upon the cross for the punishment of their sins. But their cross was different. Their execution was different. Something different happened when Jesus died upon the cross. Because he was that spotless lamb, he was that one that was without sin. And when he died upon the cross, that veil that was in the temple that had separated man from God, that veil that had served as a place, a breach that could not be crossed, a chasm as it were that could not be spanned, suddenly heaven's door was kicked wide open. And the holy God of heaven was made accessible. Now you can go. I can go. Now you can touch him. Now you can make your petitions known. Now you can come and your sin is not covered and is pushed ahead. But your sin can be cleansed and washed away. And the stains of sin that are upon your life are not discovered. But those sin the Bible said, that are like scarlet, can be made white as snow. I want to tell somebody in conclusion today that the preaching of the cross is still important because really it's the preaching of hope. It's the preaching that brings change. It's because of the cross that you and I have the opportunity to not remain under the penalty of the law of sin, to not remain a sinner bound to sin and with no hope, as the Scripture says, in this world. But we have hope because Jesus Christ went to the cross. And that's why we need to keep singing about it, preaching about it, and reminding one another of the sacrifice that was made there and because of that sacrifice we can freely come and access the blood of Jesus he didn't just die for a select group he didn't go through the suffering that he went through just for just for a prominent group of people much to the chagrin of the Jewish folks of that day he said no i'm coming for whosoever will And not only am I going to take sin away and offer salvation, the cross has the power and the events that surround the cross are going to prove that I have the power. I'm going to take stripes on my back to prove that I have the power to heal. I'm going to endure suffering and I'm going to bear grief and sorrow that people are going to experience in this world and they're gonna have a place to come and cast their cares upon me because I went through I went through the suffering of the cross. So they didn't have to stay in suffering. They don't have to stay in emotional pain. They don't have to stay under the pressure. I took a crown of thorns upon my head, and I took I, I took the spear in my side, and I took the chastisement so that they could have things like peace so that they could experience joy, not just in eternity, but also on this earth. The Bible says that we can have a life and life more abundantly. I am going to tell you, if you've never experienced the cross, you need to. And if it's been a long time since you visited the cross, you need to go back and be reminded of the power of the cross and be reminded of the importance of the preaching of the cross in our lives. Thank you for connecting with us today. I hope that you'll take a few moments and and pray about this. Let this word, let this word marinate in your heart this week. This is the week that we look back and we remember what was done for us. The price that was paid for us on the cross. And oh, it doesn't stop there. I'm thankful that I can report to you that he just didn't die. But he proved that he was He was God manifest in the flesh when he got up from that grave. And he lives to help you and I. Praise God. Thank you so much. We're praying for you. Be mindful and be checking in on a daily basis for future announcements concerning this weekend. God bless you. We are praying for you and we love you.